Well, get your Bibles open if you would, if you came for that this morning. I came to eat from the Word of God. Amen. Get your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. I want to preach this morning about the healing power of God. How many believe this morning that we serve a God who still heals? Has anybody in here ever been healed? Let me see your hand. Healed of a disease, healed of a, a problem. Amen. Look at all those people. Physical, mental, spiritual, financial. We need to understand, church, that in these last days, you, may, you hear that mentioned. I've been saved 21 years, and I've heard that for 21 years. But when you're talking about something that's coming to an end, every day that passes, you're closer to it. And I believe that we are in a time, as it was said at this conference especially, that we're in a time where we got to work hard. we got to work fast. And we need to continue to contend for the things that the world is no longer contending for. And we need to believe for the power of God. We need, it's not about, Paul said, I don't come to you with eloquent words, but a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you in the Bible this morning, if you go to Matthew chapter 8, that Jesus came to this earth with a purpose and a plan. And his plan and his purpose has always been to seek and save that which is lost. And in this place, as we began to sing that song, when I think about the Lord and what he's done for me, I hope that it reminds you and gets you a place of thought where you say, God, I, I remember what you brought me out of. If you get to a place where you forget where you came from, you're in trouble. You've already lost the battle. But you need to remind yourself daily that God is, is a healing God. He's a miracle working God and that God's power still moves. How many of those a lot of religions out there today? There's a lot of beliefs out there, but I believe what sets people, I'm not going to say even sets us apart, but what sets the truth apart is the power of God. You cannot argue with a miracle. Nobody can argue with you about the miracle God did in your life. You can have somebody tell you all day long, God doesn't exist. He's not real. He's, 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 he's just something made up. But if you've been truly changed by God, Nobody can take away your personal testimony of the miracle of who you are today compared to who you were before. Can you say amen? amen. And God is still in that business of healing people. And I want to show you in the word of God, we have to continue to believe and contend for the healing power of God. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is walking through the earth. God manifested in the flesh and he's walking around healing people so that they would know that he's God. The power of God is what sets us apart from the fake religious people. Regardless of what religion they're called. Those that walk in the power of God and see miracles and signs and wonders are the ones who know that they're walking in the truth. Because God said that these things would follow and accompany those who believe in his name. If we're not seeing miracles, if we're not seeing signs, if we're not seeing wonders, if we're not seeing lives changed, if we're just coming to church and having a religious social club meeting, then we're not having the power of God move. But if God's power is moving, if his spirit is in this place this morning, in the church, then we're going to see people give their lives to Jesus. We're going to see a change from the way we used to live to the way we live now. We're going to see people come in sick and be healed. We're going to see people come in with oppression from the devil and they're going to be delivered. Amen. We're going to see those things happen. And I want you to know today that the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today and he'll be the same forever. Does anybody believe that this morning? Now I'll get through this message a lot faster if you'll help me out a little bit. Amen. 
You can't be any more tired than me. I got in at 1 o'clock this morning. Amen. So just look at somebody and say, wake up. Amen. Say amen. Hey, God is good. I just want to make sure you can talk. Matthew 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Say all. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. I want you to know this morning that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. He fulfilled that prophetic word. Do you realize that the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus came on the scene, before he came down from heaven? And Isaiah prophesied that he would bear our infirmities upon him. Too many of us this morning, and I'm talking to people who are believers. Maybe you're here and you've never heard a gospel message. Maybe you've been saved for 50 years. You, we cannot get to a place where we forget that Jesus did not just come to save us. He came to heal us. Jesus did not just come to give us a ticket to heaven. He came to give us a life that's more abundant on this earth. And we can walk in the power of God this morning. And we can walk in the healing virtue of God this morning. We can walk in the peace of God this morning. We can walk in joy this morning. Amen. Because of what he bore on his body. And I want to show you that in the scriptures this morning. I want you to understand that Exodus says, 1526, God is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer this morning. Amen. He still saves. He still heals. And he still delivers. Remember when Jesus was on the earth, he said these words again that came out of the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the sick, to bring liberty to the captives. Now, what I want to tell you this morning is you're not here. All you are sitting there looking at me, but this isn't about an audience. This is about understanding that every single one of us are mighty in God. Every single one of us are an army in the Lord. One man or one woman is an army with God. Amen. You don't need to wait till somebody else around you begins to be used by God. You need to get connected to the Lord and understand that he has a purpose for you. It's not let's take him to the church. Let's take him to the pastor. Let's take him to the person who's more spirit filled than I am. We are all called to be used by God, to be a vessel, to show this world that his power lives not just in Jesus, not just in the evangelists, not just in a few chosen people, but in all who believe, the Bible says. He gave the great commission when he was leaving this earth. And he said, in my name, these signs will accompany those who believe. Do I have anybody in here that believes this morning that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father this morning, interceding for us? Do I have any believers? Do I have anybody who really believes that this morning? I'm not talking about a head knowledge. I'm talking about you really, really believe it. And nobody can take that away from you. I believe it. And he said, in my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, this is foreign teaching to a lot of people today. Because unfortunately, the church world has become a show. And the show is that one person is the super duck of God. The superman of God. And all the rest, watch. 
Thousands around the world gather in churches, sometimes 20 and 30,000 people. And there's not enough teaching that the people are the revival. Revival is not about a man. Revival is about the church. Revival is not about what one person can do. It's about what the kingdom of God can do. And you need, when we want, if we want to see a revival this morning, if we want to see all these chairs filled this morning, if we want to see it like I do, I want to see people lining up to come to church. I want to see people lining up to get in, to be a part of the king, not, not to watch or hear a great message, but to see a demonstration of the power of God. Does anybody still believe that God wants to show his power in these last days? Amen. The spirit of the, say that with me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you believe that? Cast out demons, heal the sick. You, you might be surrounded. Some people, when they hear that, demons, oh, I don't want to hear about demons. Well, listen, they're there. Whether you want to hear about them or not. Now, don't nudge that person next to you and say, you see, I knew that was what you had wrong with you. Don't do that, amen. I know some of y'all are like, don't do that, Amen. Demons are everywhere, though. We don't try to put demons on everything. We don't try to blame. I know the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff he didn't do. Amen. He doesn't, get, he doesn't do everything. Sometimes he's like, man, I got credit for that and didn't even do it. Don't give him credit for everything, but there is a real devil. And he's trying to come to kill, to steal, and destroy. Psalms 127 says, God sent his word and healed their diseases. Amen. Let me show you a few scriptures this morning. I'm going to have you just listen. If you want to try to keep up, you can. Miracles happened all the way back from the beginning. God did his first miracle in the book of Genesis with Abraham. All the way back, God showed from the very beginning that he was a healing God. And he healed, he healed Abraham. He healed Abimelech. He, healed, he started beginning to show that I'm going to be a God that heals. He said in Exodus, again, I'm the God who heals your disease. We need to understand this morning that God can heal you to make you productive. If you're bound this morning by depression, if you're bound with some sickness in your body, or chronic arthritis or diabetes or some, some migraine problem or back pains or, or mental disorder, mental problems, you're being oppressed by thoughts, you're being attacked by the enemy. You've got to understand that not only is the devil trying to keep you down, he's trying to keep you from being productive. Because if he can keep you busy looking at your own problem, then he'll keep you from affecting other people that you are called to affect. If he can affect your finances, if he can affect your, your, your family, he'll do all these things to get your mind off the purpose and the plan and the reason that you're here. And he's been doing it for a long time. Now, when you begin to talk about healing, I thank God that when I got saved, I thank God I've said it before, I was raised in a Christian home. I don't have time to go into my testimony, but my testimony is that I was raised in a Christian home, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, but I thank God that I was raised in a church that, that taught healing. I saw miracles as a kid, saw miracles as a teenager, and I've seen miracles all my life and one of the things that happens is the devil begins to fight a church and says, man, don't, don't step out. Don't pray for the sick. Don't pray for people who are struggling. Just, just have a quick service. Make it 45 minutes. Pat them on the back. Give them a little sugar and send them home. And that's what the devil wants us to do at church. But that's not going to bring a lost world in. That's not going to bring a sick world in. We have to have a place that's an emergency room. We have to be a place that hurting people know that if they come, they'll be healed. 
We have to have God's power moving so that when you invite someone to church, you know if they come, they're going to be delivered. You don't have to go, well, I hope they do. You know that if you can get them to this place, there's a healing power in this place. There's a belief in this place. And it's not the place, but it's that we're believing for it here. And that if they'll get here, they'll be delivered. How many want to have a place like that? That people, you know if they get here, they'll be delivered. I believe there's some people in here right now, this morning, that have some needs. Not just physical, mental, spiritual, financial. And I believe that God is going to meet every one of your needs by the time you leave that door back there. I believe that. I don't have any doubts. But sometimes we say, well, what if I don't get healed? This is something our pastor, our head pastor was talking about this week. We have a question. What if I don't get healed? Well, I got an answer for you. What if you do? Why do you, why do you think, what if I don't get healed? Why don't you think, man, what would I do if I got healed? Because the problem is God's healed a whole bunch of us. And we haven't done anything with it. You know why God healed you? So you tell someone about it. I've seen people over the years be healed. And they didn't go out and tell anybody about it. That sickness came back to their body again. The reason that God heals is so that we would talk about it and tell people about it and share our faith with people and say, listen, God healed me. Amen. We see in Luke 18 that God touches a widow and she keeps she's going to this judge. If you're here and you say, man, I prayed for my sickness a whole bunch of times. I've asked 55 times. I've prayed 100 times. I've begged God 1,000 times. Well, you need to understand that there's a story in the Bible that I'm not going to take time to look at. That widow comes back to that judge over and over again and keeps on knocking and becomes obnoxious to this man to where he finally says, fine, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get up and I'm going to make it happen. You need to get to a place where God sees your desperation and you say, God, like Jacob said when he wrestled with God, I'm not leaving you till you bless me. How many are so desperate for a touch and a move in your life that you're not going to let God go till he gives you what you're asking for? Come on, is anybody in here believing that this morning? So we know that God heals. We know that God wants to heal, but we got to keep pushing. If the unjust, listen, judge, bless that woman. Pay attention. If the unjust woman blessed that widow because she was obnoxious, because she kept knocking on the door. If the unjust judge blessed that woman who was not deserving in his eyes of anything, how much more will your heavenly father in heaven that loves you and died for you and gave his life for you heal your body if that unjust judge touched that widow? Amen. Amen? I want to tell you this morning, I have seen God heal. I'm going to end in a second with a couple of stories. See, in the Bible, when Jesus it hears that his mother-in-law, it's not his mother-in-law, sorry, his, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And he goes to her and he prays for her. And listen, I want you to pay attention to this, pitch, pitch to this part. And he prays to the root. Some of you need to learn how to pray to the root of your problem. Not the manifestation in the body, but the root. A lot of us take medicine for things. I've learned over the years, I used to know this is, this is a mixed thing here. I, I believe in the power of God and the healing of God, but God also gave us common sense. And I, I learned over the years, I used to struggle with migraines. Now, this was a healing, but this was also God showing me how to not keep having them and bringing them back on me again. 
And so I used to struggle with migraines. And God showed me some things that I, that I had happening to me. Too much sun, not wearing sunglasses, not drinking enough water, not getting enough sleep. He showed me some things that I could do to keep those things from coming on me again. So I, it's not about just popping a pill in and saying, well, I got a headache. Let me pop a pill in. All you're doing is attacking the problem. But you're not attacking why that migraine's coming. And it's the same spiritually. A lot of times we come to church and we go up to an altar, we answer a prayer call, we pray for something, and we kind of in a spiritual way, we just put a band-aid on our problem. But we don't actually go to the root of that problem and speak to the root of that thing. Many, the Bible says, are sick this morning in this place even because of unforgiveness. Because of anger. Because of, 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 of uh, resentment. Many things are brought on our bodies because we haven't let go of things. And, and you say, oh, God, heal my body. And God, because of his mercy, heals your body. But that thing comes back again because what was causing your sickness was a root of unforgiveness, a root of bitterness, a root of anger, a root of, of jealousy. There's many things that you bring onto your body. And so this morning, I believe that the anointing of God can speak to you and reveal to you right now during this service something that you might need to change. So that when you receive your healing, it doesn't come back again. Has anybody in here seen that in your own life or in the lives of others? You've seen miracles happen and those things come back again. Because we bring those things back on ourselves. Jesus spoke to the root. Now I want to I give you a couple verses. And I want you to know this morning, I'm going to come back to this thing I've got here to kind of finish with. But I want to I show you this morning in a few verses. You can look if you want or you can just write it down if you're taking notes. That God shows us that healing is still for today. One of the biggest lies of the enemy today is that for some reason people believe that healing was for the apostles only. That miracles and signs and wonders was for that time so the church could expand, so the church could begin. You are not going to find a place in the Bible where it says, stop laying your hands on the sick. Stop believing for miracles. I don't heal anymore. That's from Genesis to Revelation. You're going to see, I am the God who heals your disease. I, if we say that God no longer heals, then we take off the name Jehovah Rapha. You think God changes his name? He says, I'm a God that does not change. There is no variance in me. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I was a healer in Genesis, I'm a healer in Luke. If I was a healer in Luke, I'm a healer in Romans. If I'm a healer in Romans, I'm a healer in Revelation. If I'm a healer in Revelation, I'm a healer today. I'm not going to stop healing. I'm not going to stop delivering. I'm not going to stop saving. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. But we say, God, can you use me? You heard in Jose's humble testimony, I feel unworthy. You, if you don't feel unworthy, you have to get on your knees. There is nothing wrong with that. Some people call that weakness. I call it honesty. Be real. We don't need fake people today. There's plenty of those in the world. We need to be people who say, hey, I got some struggles. But guess what? I get the answer on my knees. I get the answer in God's presence. I get the answer by seeking the Lord. But we come to this place where we say, God, can you really use me? Matthew 10. You don't have to look at it for time. He sends out his 12 apostles. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to lay your hands on the sick. I want you to cast out demons. I want you to do what you've watched me do. The Bible says in 10.1, he says, he gave them power over unclean spirits. To cast them out. 
to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. So he sends the 12. So some people say, hey, that was for the 12. I'm not an apostle. I'm not that person. Then he goes on in verse 7. He says, go and preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Raise the dead. Anybody want to see somebody raised from the dead? Hey, don't look just at the physical. Every service, somebody can be raised from the dead spiritually. It ain't about a physical resurrection. It's just it's about a spiritual resurrection, too. I'd love to see someone raised from the dead. I told you I, I, a few weeks ago that I was, I was going to pray for a good friend of mine, but I couldn't get into the morgue. Amen? I, I'd love to see someone raised from the dead. But I love seeing spiritual resurrection. I love seeing people that are dead in their spirit and on their way to hell get saved and delivered and set free and begin to serve God. He says, listen, freely you have received, freely give. So he's always talking to the apostles. But then he goes and he sends out the 70. He didn't just send out the 12. See, he had a plan. He did it first. Then he had his 12 disciples go out and do it. They watched them. Then he said, I'm going to send out 70. 70 went out. And listen to what he said to the 70. He says, go out, do the same thing. He says, pray for the sick, cast out demons. This is in uh, Luke chapter 10. And he says, watch this. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Man, they came back excited. They went out and they prayed and they, and they saw things happen. And they came back and said, God, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, is that the 12? No, it was the 70. What 70? No names. Doesn't matter. He's saying this is for everybody who will believe. So he did it to the 12, then he did it to the 70, and then he did it in the Great Commission to all of us. He didn't put any names. He said, go and preach the gospel to all nations. He didn't say 500 or 50 or the, 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 the few chosen. He said, go to all the nations. He didn't put any names on there. How many know we're living as the church age today and we are fulfilling the book of Acts? Come on, I need some help. Y'all are falling asleep on me. Amen. And so we see him go from the 12 to the 70 to today. And he says this, I saw, this was Jesus' response. I saw lightning, so I saw Satan fall. I want you to get this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus said that to his disciples. Now one of the things you have to understand about the Bible is it's moving. It's alive. And it goes a lot of different directions. Jesus here, I taught this at the conference. Jesus here is talking about something present, future, and more future. Did you catch that? He's talking to his disciples. He says, I saw Satan. Sorry, I messed that up. Present, uh, past, present, and future. And even more future. Four tenses. Y'all still with me? Did I lose you there? Okay. I saw Satan fall from heaven. What you realize is, back all the way before creation, before Adam and Eve, Satan fell. He rose up against God and said, I'm equal to you. And God cast him out and the fallen angels out of the place in heaven that he had. I saw Satan fall. Okay? That's past. Present... Jesus knew, even though he was already healing, 
He was already doing miracles. Watch this. He had not even been to the cross yet. Somebody please get this. Somebody please pay attention to this. He had not gone to the cross yet. We know the cross is everything this morning. We know Jesus' work is there. But there are those that say, that was just because of Jesus. It's just because of His power. And you don't understand that Jesus is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is the, the verb. He was in the beginning. He'll be at the end. He's always been. Amen. And back all the way in the beginning, before the cross ever happened, Jesus was walking through the earth. And he was casting out demons, and he was healing the sick, and he had not shed his blood yet. His blood had not been shed yet, because he had already defeated Satan. Even though the cross had not happened yet, he had already defeated Satan. So he's talking about him falling past. Then he says, I saw Satan, and see, Jesus is saying this, and the people have to catch it. He's seen the past when he saw him the first time. Then he's looking to the cross where he's going to see Satan defeated on the cross. Then he's looking to the future, the church age, where Satan is going to be falling on, on, before us under our feet. Because the Bible says he's given us power to trample on serpents and scorpions and that the enemy's under our feet. And watch this. Then all the way to the book of Revelation, Satan is going to fall from the, 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 the second heaven down to this earth in the book of Revelation. Are you following me still? Have I lost you? Yeah. Past, present, and future. Yeah. I saw Satan fall. They don't know he's fallen a whole bunch of times already. Jesus sees the whole thing from the beginning to the end. And there's going to come a time in the middle of the book of Revelation, chapter 12. It's along that sign I talked to you guys about. That he's going to be cast out of heaven down to this earth. And that's going to be the second to last time. And then finally, he's going to be cast into the bottomless pit. He's going to be cast from there down into the lake of fire. Satan has fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen. But he's always been defeated by Jesus. He's always been under the power of Jesus. And you have to understand this morning that the Bible says he has given us power to do what he did. I know you're thinking, but please get this this morning. Please pay attention to what God is trying to show us. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Watch this. I give, I got ahead of myself. This is verse 18. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, symbolic of demonic forces, over all the power of the enemy. Or maybe I read that wrong. Over some powers of the enemy. And nothing... It doesn't say some people. It doesn't say something. It says all the power and nothing by, shall by any means hurt you. And then he says this. But don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice in that. Because that's just temporal. He says rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That is the greatest healing greater than any physical healing, greater than any mental healing, is the healing of your soul to be bought with the blood of Jesus, for your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, how do I do that? You put your faith in Jesus. Watch this, John 14. I'm going to close up. John 14 says, I say to you, go ahead and look at that if you've got time. Run through it over real quick to your Bible. It's not too far from where you were. I say to you, verse 12, he who believes in me. So what's the, what's, the, what's the prerequisite? What's the requirement? 
to see God move, to have power, to have anointing. Believe. He who believes in me, I'm going to mess some of y'all's hair up right here. The works I do, you won't be able to do. That's what we be- it seems like that's what we believe sometimes. What does he say there? He who believes in me, the works I do, he'll do also. Guess what? That wasn't enough. We don't get this part. This is the part where the church is dead. We don't want to believe for this. I need some people in this place to start believing this with me. I, if I could just get one or two of you to start believing this with me, we can see revival. Amen. He says, greater works. Amen. Greater works. Amen. Greater works. Amen. Will you do? Because I go to the Father. He's on this earth anymore. He's up in, the, he's up in heaven interceding. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask the little easy things in my name, I'll do it. Anything. That means there's no disease. There's no disorder the doctor said your kid has. There's no demonic oppression. There's no marriage problem. There's no financial problem. There's no mental problem. There's nothing that is bigger than the power of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion on the cross, his death and resurrection. His power is greater than all the powers of Satan. Pardon me if I'm excited, but y'all, y'all ain't helped me out. So I'll just, I'll just be, it's exciting up here. I don't need y'all. I'm stirring up myself. Here's a great example. Someone might say, I've been, I've been to a prayer line before. I've prayed for something. Nothing happened. This is, this is a powerful revelation. Sometimes God heals immediately. Immediately. Well, let me take that back. Always God heals immediately. Sometimes the manifestation of the healing is not immediate. God always heals But sometimes it takes a day, it takes a week, it takes a month. Sometimes that manifestation takes time. I've had God heal me instantly and seen the manifestation instantly. I've seen him heal me and seen a manifestation in a week. I've seen him heal me and seen a manifestation in a month. It doesn't matter when it happens. And here's the example. How many remember in the Bible when Jesus was walking with the disciples, he spoke to the fig tree. He said to the fig tree, be cursed. Did Did those fig trees just drop, did the leaves just drop right there when he spoke to it? No. Watch this though. But the root died. Get that. He spoke to the fig tree and even though there was not an outside manifestation that it was dead, inside, Jesus spoke to the root of that fig tree and at that moment, that fig tree died. That moment. They went away and the Bible says a few days later they came by and his disciples said, Jesus, look, the fig tree you spoke to is dead. They saw the manifestation a few days later. But at the moment Jesus spoke to that, it was dead. You need to believe in your marriage, in your life, in your finances, in your family, in your body, in anything you're fighting this morning. That when you pray and you ask and you believe at the moment that you pray and you ask and believe, that root is destroyed by God. 
that devil is defeated by Jesus. And you then thank God and wait for the manifestation to give him praise and give him glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Last verse. Colossians 2.15. Last week I had the cross out here for the Easter message. I should have left it out this morning for this, but I'm sure you can visualize in your mind. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible. See, the Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, it's one of my favorite verses, no weapon formed against you can prosper. How many have heard that verse before? No weapon formed against you. So a lot of times we feel like we're defeated because we see the, we see the end of the barrel, the gun, right in our face. We see the darts being pulled back that James talks about. Fiery darts of temptation. Fiery darts of accusation. Fiery darts of condemnation. We see all these things. Sometimes it seems like there's an army all around us. We see these things. But we don't understand this morning. We must understand. It's just because you see a weapon formed against you. It cannot prosper because that gun has no bullets. Oh, it sounds good. That sounds cliche. No, it's in the Bible. Listen to what Colossians 2.15 says. Just write it down. It's a short verse. You don't have to look at it. He says, having disarmed principalities and powers. Write that down if you're taking notes. Satan's principalities and powers are disarmed. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be a sound or a noise or a physical manifestation of his power where he's trying to scare you. But he cannot defeat you because there's no bullet in the gun. Didn't say there's not a gun. He said no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But there is a weapon against you. But it's not armed. Now you can arm it when you take your eyes off the cross. When you get your eyes off Jesus, that bullet goes back in. Well, if you've got your eyes on Jesus, if you believe in the blood of Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, there's no power there. Because he says he's disarmed principalities and powers, listen, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them in it. In what? In the work of the cross. That's good stuff. I want to pray this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But I want to give you a quick story. I've seen lots and lots of miracles over the years. But I'll never forget how God got me started on believing in miracles. Because one thing, to see it, God used somebody else. And that's great. But there's nothing like seeing God use you. And it's not, I, I, it's not because I'm a pastor now or I've been saved a long time. I'm trying to teach you here that it's, God is no respecter of persons. And He did not say in there any requirements other than that you believe. And revival will break out in Denton, Texas and come from all over the Metroplex if we'll begin to believe for miracles. You need to get sick and tired of religion. I'm, I, I don't want anything to do with religion. I want to see a move of God. I want to see things happen that, and I'm not talking about someone grabbing the fan and hanging from it and doing cartwheels. I'm talking about a manifestation of the power of God. Where people walk in this place sick and leave healed. Walk in bound by oppression and leave free. 
People walk in and feel the tangible presence of God and say, I don't remember what he preached. I don't remember what song we sang, but man was the power of God in that place. And I remember back when I was first saved, God called me into the ministry. Called me to preach his gospel. Didn't know where God was going to take me. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know God was going to take me around the world. Didn't know I was going to be a missionary. Didn't know any of those things. Didn't matter. I just said, God, I want to be used. And I went to Costa Rica and learned Spanish. And I came back. And musicians, you can begin to head up if you want. And I went to Costa Rica and learned Spanish. Came back. And as soon as we got back to Tucson, I had an opportunity to go preach down on the other side of the border in Mexico. With my broken Spanish. Bad. I heard a tape my dad showed me. I hope he burned it. It was bad. Now thank God, to God be the glory, I get, I get told I'm to speak better than some, some of you Hispanics. I know I can write better. <laughs> I read some of y'all's stuff and go, whoa, we've got to go back to school. Amen. Just kidding. There's a laugh. Good. Amen. Lighten up. And I, I, I come back and I'm leading the youth group. And we get this call to go. And I said, God, I don't want to go down there and just preach a message, say I went to Mexico. And besides, I said, I can't preach much anyway, so I need your help. I, can't, I ain't got a whole lot of vocabulary. I need your help. You know what's really good? Is when you get to a place where you realize it's not about you. It's all about God. There was a time when I used to, I still get nervous. Man, Wednesday night before that, boy, I was battling. I sent out texts to the intercessors that pray for me. I was nervous. My stomach was hurting. 20 years later, I'm still nervous to preach because I take God's word so serious. And I want to hear from God. But over the years, I still am nervous because it's God's word. But every day that I've fallen in love with the Lord, every day that's gone by in my life, I've become less and less dependent on what I say and more and more dependent on God's spirit to touch people. And that day I said, oh Lord, I need your help. And I told the youth, I said, guys, let's believe for some miracles. And they were like, yeah. I said, let's believe for some amazing things that happen. Let's, let's not just have church. And I remember we went to this one church and we preached. And I was maybe a couple hundred people there. I don't remember how big it was. And I preached a horrible, chopped up message. And we believed for healing and sick and, and, and prayed, said, Lord, somebody sick, come forward. And nothing happened. I could have got discouraged. And I think I did. Then we went to another church. Same thing happened. Finally, we, I think we got to the last church that God opened up for us to preach. And, and the youth were dis- disappointed too. They wanted to see something. They wanted to see a miracle happen. I wanted to see a miracle. I was believing what that Bible says. Just like I'm hoping you believe it today. God, please show up. There was about 500 people. I remember the church was skinny and long. Probably like 15 rows wide and long. I mean, real long. And that place was packed. I was really nervous. Don't remember what I preached, but I preached on healing. I said, I believe in my broken Spanish that God still heals. And I believe God's going to heal some people today. And I did the altar call. And I said, who's sick? Nobody came. Like, there's nobody sick with all these people. And I said, God, please, I'm depending on you. I want to see a miracle. I kept knocking like that widow. I kept believing like that widow. Those teenagers were believing with me. My sister was with us. We still remember this. Finally, 
someone came out of their seat. Guess what? I was hoping for a headache or something. You know, my head hurts. Can you pray? Something that, you know, they could say, oh, I feel better. That's what I was hoping for. Guess what? Some lady brings her kid out the aisle, and he has got a thing in his throat that looks like a softball. And I'm going, oh, God, I don't see him. No, headache. Does anybody have a headache in here? Does anybody need a touch in their st- I'm, I'm serious. It scared me to death. I said, oh, God, what in the world are you doing? We're not, you want to go that big already? I'm telling you. Fear. But I said, God, this ain't me. I believe your word. Nobody would come. And finally this woman stepped out with her little grandson. And he came forward. I'm not kidding. Softball. Looked like a softball was in his throat. Had some kind of tumor. And we put out, I put my hands on his throat. And that thing disappeared in my hands. Gone. Softball to nothing. I felt his Adam's apple. And I freaked out. People freaked out. The youth freaked out. And then what happened? All kinds of sick people showed up all of a sudden. People got out their chairs, and there was a line out the door of sick people. Pastor Jones made a great statement Friday night. He said, one miracle is better than a thousand sermons. One miracle. If we will believe as a church and contend for miracles, God will build this church. And it won't be on great preaching and great music and pretty chairs. It'll be on the power of God. People won't be able to deny that he's real. People won't be able to deny that he delivers and he saves and he sets free. And long story short, I'm not kidding you. Miracle after miracle after everybody we touched was healed all the way down that line. And God took us out of that place and we began to go from house to house. This woman said, I got sick people. We went from house to house. I don't have time to tell you at all. It was the greatest night I've ever seen in my life of miracles. I actually believe that if we, we ran out of sick people. I'm not kidding. We ran out of places. We went to several houses and people got up out of their beds that had been laying there for months. Stood up. Miracles happened. Miracles happened. We got to a place where no one left. They couldn't think of anybody else sick. But I, had, I believe so strong that there was so much faith that night. We could have gone through the entire state of country of Mexico and healed everybody in Jesus' name because faith rose. It's not a matter of God's power this morning. It's a matter of us believing in God's power and believing what that Bible says, that he still saves, delivers, and heals. Bow your heads this morning, please.